Hey, Evan's living for God today. So is TJ. That's awesome. That's what we love. That's cool, man. I'm so happy to be here. Man, God's in the place today. The Spirit's here. Man, God wants to do something. God wants to do a new thing here today. You know, uh, man, I love, you think about football games and you get, you get in at halftime and you're down by seven points, you're down by 20 points, and, and you think about a football game like, oh, the Cougars scored last night, but uh, the Ducks came, came through. Man, the Ducks destroyed them. You know, and, and you think about it, everything I said up until that, but you're thinking, oh, the Cougars scored, but when I said, but, man, you don't think about anything else I said before that. The ducks came through. And you think about the verse, uh, the one has come to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come to bring life, and life more abundantly. You don't, you don't look at anything after he says, but. Man, he has come to bring life, and life more abundantly. And man, some people just need an atmosphere change, man. Man, you think, I think about sports, because I, I love sports, and I think, man, how do you change the atmosphere? I mean, I have to go out and set the tone. And how do you do that in your spiritual life? The Bible says, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Man, it says, thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. And so, because it's Chris's birthday weekend, it's a big weekend deal, I'm going to have Chris stand up. Chris, stand up. And I want you to show them what it means to shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Go. Yeah! All right. I want everybody to stand up. Everybody standing up. And on the count of three... We're going to shout unto God with the voice of triumph. One, two, three. Yeah. Hey! Yeah. 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 That's how you change the atmosphere. Man, that's how you get, you wake up every day and you shout unto God with the voice of triumph and you get in the word every single day. Man, every single day. Man, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. I take it literally. Man, the first thing I want to do when I get up is seek God. Man, it sets my day up for a win. Man, it gets me prepared for the things that are coming my way. Man, the Bible says that God declared my end at the beginning. So I'm going to wake up at the beginning of the day and I'm going to declare the end. Man, today's going to be a good day. Today is the day that the Lord has made. Man, greater is he who's in me, for I am an overcomer. Come on, you've got to be getting the Word every single day. Every single day. Even on church days. Because here's the thing. Coming to church is not the same thing as, get, as spending time with God. It's not. Man, coming to church is, is part of being a Christian. It's what, it's our, it's our, uh, man, it's what we have to do. Man, it's, it's, we have to be a part of the body. We have to get planted because it, helps, it, it makes us flourish. Psalms 92.13 those that are planted will flourish in the courts of their God. But it's different than waking up and spending time with God. Man, that's where you begin to grow. That's where God shows you things for your life. Man, this is where I need you to grow, Dan. This is where I need you to, to, to step up, Todd. That's what, God, that's what it is when you're spending time with God. Amen? Cool. I'm going to talk tonight, today on the significance of the heart. And I want to start off in, in Isaiah 29:13. And it says, because this people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me. Man, it's saying the people are coming and they're drawing near to me and they're giving me lip service when they think it's worship, but their hearts are far from me. 
And then it says, and their reverence for me consists of traditional learned by rote. What it is is, man, it's worship that's based merely on things that have been taught. God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for who you are and what you're doing. God, I thank you right now that everyone in this room is going to receive something from you today, God. That They're never coming back the same. God, I thank you that, that we tell the devil to flee and, and scatter seven different ways, seek rest and find none. God, because you are wanting to do a new thing right here today, God. God, we give you gl- glory, praise, and honor for who you are and what you're doing. In your name, amen. amen. I'm starting to come to the conclusion that most Christians and, and, and people out there who are coming and seeking God are, are at this spot. Man, they're coming and they're bringing God lip service and they think it's worship. Man, they think because they, they, maybe they raise their hands at the right time. Maybe they, they bow down on, on their knees. Maybe they even dance or cry during this, this time of worship. But yet their hearts are far from God. And it's crazy what God is, is showing me lately and what he's been and doing with me because I have notes right here of what my dad thinks Todd and Keith need. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and stick with my notes because it's a little bit more condensed. Uh, but it's cool what God is showing me and, and what he's doing right now. And, it, and it's cool how he ties everything together. I read earlier this week, my, I have a friend, a really good friend, who's doing ministry up in Michigan. And he wrote a, a blog, and I read that, and it's like, wow. I mean, it goes right into what God's telling and talking to me about. And then I'm reading a book, and it's directly what God is showing me. And, and it's cool just how God ties everything together. But I, I, I look at this, and I say, man, people's hearts are far from God. And, they, and, and, the, and the bummer is, half the time, you don't even know it. Man, you get so caught up in the motions of, I'm going to show up, and I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going, to look, I'm going to look around. Everybody else is lifting their hands. And maybe, I mean, man, your hearts are far from God. And it's like, how do I figure that out? How do I get to that spot? God, show me how I get to the place where I know if my heart's far from God. And then Wednesday, my dad talks about, man, you've got to examine yourself. Man, do the self-test. Second Corinthians 13.5. Man, you have to examine. Are you in the faith? Man, is your heart right? Man, at the end of the day, you have to take responsibility for your own life. Man, I come to the conclusion that I, Stephen, have to be responsible for my life. Man, what, what God has given me, what He's provided for me, what I'm supposed to do, I'm going to answer for that. Stephen is. Man, I can't lean on my dad anymore in his faith. Man, I can't lean on my, on my friends around me and say, man, I just can't do it. Man, I have to take responsibility. Man, you can't come up with excuses. Well, well, Pastor Tom, you, you're the pastor, so you better you have to know the Word. Hey, you're the shepherd of your house. Man, you have to know the Word of God for yourself. Man, I think about it. If, if you want your, your daughters to marry the right guy, man, if you want your kids to go to the right college, man, if you want them to do what God has called them to do, man, you have to know the Word of God. You have to be speaking the Word over your family, over your life. Man, you have to take responsibility. Hello? Come on. you got to take responsibility over your life. Man, I want to read from Acts 14. And there's a story, and it's about Philip. And this is right after the stoning of Stephen, which we don't talk about here. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Steve. So this is Philip, and it says the, the, the disciples were scattered, 
And so here's Philip, and he's going around, and he's preaching the good news. And, and it says in Acts 4, 6, and 13 that miracles and wonders are following Philip. So here he goes, and, and he goes to Samaria, and the Samaritans, man, they, they, they believe. Man, it says they get their life right with God, and they, and they believe, and they come baptized. And in Samaria, there's a, there's a man named Simon. And Simon is a false prophet. It says that he will do sorcery, and he would do things, and people think it's from God. Man, if you read there, it says they were calling him like the great gift of God. I mean, they think he is from God. But when they get, when Peter, when Philip comes and he preaches the good news and he, and he gets everybody to realize, man, Jesus is the one true God. Man, it says they all believed. Even Simon, the false prophet, believed and was baptized. And I think that's awesome. And I think that's so cool. And that's how good God is. You know? And so... You go on, and, and later it says that uh, it says now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John. Here's two top dog disciples, Peter and John. Okay, what's going on? Who are these guys? Who is this man that is that is causing revival in Samaria? Let's send them Peter and John. Let's see what's going on. And so it says that they came down and they prayed for Philip and Simon. It says they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord. So the Holy Spirit wasn't with them yet. They hadn't experienced this power. So they, they, they get the, uh, Peter and John, they lay their hands on them, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And so they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon, here's the new believer, man, he just came from, man, sorcery and, and black magic and living a life of sin. Man, he just, he, he sees this, he says, Wow. When Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give this authority to me as well, so that everyone whom I may lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I look at Simon, and, and my first thing is, man, he's just a, he's just a baby Christian. He's, a, he's new in the faith. Man, he sees this and says, man, I, this is awesome. I want to be a part of this. I want to give them money. But, and I'm, trying to, I'm like, okay, so... Man, that's a mistake, wrong, but it's okay because he's just, he, what, man, he doesn't know any better. But then I look at what chapter or verse 20 says, And Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours, and pray the Lord that, if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. And so I'm like, whoa, Jesus, wait a minute. Man, this guy is a baby Christian. Man, he doesn't know any better. But when I think that God's wrong, man, that just tells me that, I, that there's something I need to look at. Man, Stephen, there's something, there's a perspective that you need to change. Man, he's trying to show you something. If you ever read the Bible and you're like, well, I think you might have missed it there, God. Man, I think you're missing it. And you better ask for some uh, revelation and God to clear it up because you don't want to ride that train end up like Philip or Simon. Uh, so here it is, and it's like, wait a minute. Okay, it says that, that Simon's heart was off. Man, where, where does his heart get off? Well, it's, I want to be able to buy this. I want to lay my hands, my hands on people, and they receive the gift of God from me. Man, his heart's off. Man, uh, and, and what's crazy is I read Acts 20 in the message, and it says, Peter said to him, to hell with your money and you along with it. Why, that's unthinkable. Trying to buy God's gift. You'll never be a part of what God is doing by striking bargains and offering, get, and offering uh, bribes. 
Man, his heart is off. And what happens when your heart's off? Man, it says you'll never be a part of what God is doing. If your heart's off, you'll never be a part of what God's doing here in the church. Man, if your heart's off, you can't be a part of what God wants to do in your family, in your job, in your finances. Your heart has to be on. Man, there wasn't... Man, it's, it's crazy. I think about that. I'm like, man, that's blunt. Man, that's, that's tough. That's a, that's a hard pill to swallow. You've got to take responsibility and figure out, man, is my heart right? Man, do you, do you realize that you, what it's saying? You'll never be a part of what God's doing. If my heart's not right, I can't be a part of what God's doing here in the church. And that's, man, God's doing some crazy stuff here in the church. Opening doors and, and building, uh, making a way and providing. I mean, you look at where we started in someone else's church on a Saturday night in, in the worst part of Pasco, and now look where we're at. And now look where we're headed. Man, God's doing something, and you want to be a part of it. Man, and I, so it, and it begins with the heart, and I look at the importance of the heart. And, and I'm looking in, and in Numbers 13, or 15:39, it says that you'll become unfaithful by following your own heart. Man, and it's crazy because in movies, and you hear it all the time, man, hey, follow your heart, man. Man, go wherever your heart leads you. Man, it says you become unfaithful. If you ever enter a situation and you say, man, I'm just going to follow my heart on this, you're becoming unfaithful to God. And that's, you can't do that. I don't want to be in that spot. Man, uh, Hebrews 3.9 says that they go astray in their hearts. Man, it starts in your heart. And then it says, and they have not known my ways. Man, if you go astray in your heart and your heart's off, you're not going to get to know God's ways. Man, if my dad's heart was off, man, he would not know his ways. And, and I'd say, man, me and my brothers would still be searching, trying to figure out, where, man, are we, what are we supposed to be doing? Man, we wouldn't be on the right path because his heart's off. Man, it's crazy what the, the man of the household, how big of a... Of a of the weight he carries. Man, if your heart's off your kids, man, it affects your kids. Man, that affects their kids. It's huge. Man, the Bible says leave an inheritance for your kids and their kids. Man, God, man God's talking to the men of the, of the church and the men of the households. Man, your guys' heart has to be on. Dead on. Man, you have to check yourself. You have to be seeking God every single day. God, tell me where my heart is off. God, show me what I need to be invested in. God, what do I need to put my heart into? Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else. Watch over it, for it flows the springs of life. Men, the men of the house need to guard your hearts. Guard your hearts. And, and, and so I think, man, are we just playing the part? And, and, I, and I'm telling you, this is what God's showing me. And so I, I think about, God, am I just playing a part? Man, am I just coming offering you lip service while my heart's far from you? And I, and, I'm, and I tell you, man, I look at my life and I've played the part before. Man, it's easy. Cause I preached that, uh, man, up in, Sp- down in Sp- up, down Spokane, over wherever Spokane's at. I preached in Spokane for Pastor Sharkey for their youth because they were out of town. And, and, and I remember Miss Linda, she introduced me as Stephen. The, the, he, you know, he's never gone away from God. He's always served God with everything he's had. He's, he's just been the perfect example of a, of a man of God. And I'm like, whoa, who talked to her? You know, I got to pay that person. I, mean, I, I got to, 
man, I want them to introduce me every time. But I, but I told the kids, I said, man, Miss Linda is a saint, but she, she was a little off on some of that stuff. Man, I've, I've, I've done the things I shouldn't have. I've, I've been a part of that life where I go out on a Saturday night after church, do things that I shouldn't do, and show up Sunday morning to play on the worship team. And, and still people are like, wow, hey, there's Stephen, you know, great smile, good looking, and just loves God. And I know people have said that, so don't try and get, get you know, I know. And, and I look at myself and say, man, okay, well, what changed in my life? Man, where did my heart go, go far from God, and where did, when did it get close? And I said, well, when I went to Tulsa and I went to school, that's when I found myself, and I went and I searched, because the thing I always thought about, man, why did I love Tulsa so much? Why did I love going to school? Well, it was because I, I went somewhere where nobody knew me, and so I could go and, and be whoever I wanted. And, and, God was, and God showed me, well, that's no, Stephen, you didn't go find yourself. Man, I stopped looking for myself, and I started seeking God. Man, that's what changed in my life. I stopped following my heart and my desires, and I, and I stopped trying to find, man, who is Stephen Fields going to be? And I started seeking God. God, who do you want me to be? God, what do you want me to do? Who should I be talking to? What should I be doing today? That's when my heart changed. Man, God's heart changed my heart. I started seeking his heart. Man, that's where we got to get to, everybody. Hey, you got to get to the point where it's like, God, man, enough of me. I want to seek you. Man, I stopped asking Jesus to follow me, and I started following Jesus. Man, so many Christians, that first verse, that's where they're at. Man, if you're offering God lip service and your hearts are far from God, you ask Jesus to follow you. Man, that, Jesus never, never went up to Peter and said, hey, let me follow you. No, it's, hey, follow me. Man, if you're, if you're saying, God, I'm going to step out in faith on one day and give you this big offering, but if, but if I don't get the money... If, I, if, if something pops up, I'm not going to do that. Man, you're asking Jesus to follow you, to catch you if you fall, to, hey, I have a plan B. If you have a plan B, your heart's off. That's the bottom line. If you have a plan B, you can't be a part of what God's doing. You can't be a part of what God's doing. You guys, I think about it, and it's, man, it's like, why... Am I not successful, or why can't I be um, successful in my, in my finances, or, or, my, or my job, or, or my relationships, or at the church? What is it? What is it from holding me back? And, and God was showing me, Stephen, you've got to stop trying to be successful and start trying to be significant. Man, people are all about, man, I want to be successful. And the reason is because su- success is me-oriented, how I see myself. Man, I want to be successful with money. I want to be successful with relationships and with, with my job and with and relationships. And, but people miss it because they're not being significant. Because significant is others-oriented. Man, how other people see you. Man, how other people see you. I'm, I want to be significant. But, and the cool thing is significance, it brings the right kind of success. Man, if I'm significant in my job... Man, I will be successful. I will. And, and the thing that I was, I, I'm like, okay, well, this is about me. Stephen, how, where am I trying to be successful? Where is Stephen trying to, to, to look at himself and say, okay, I'm successful here? 
Because that's where, I mean, I think about where I'm at and what I'm doing. And I'm a part of the media team and videos. And I'm a part of, of the worship team. And I, and I help with the youth. And, and then on top of all of that, I'm Pastor Tom's assistant. So I'm like, wow, it's really easy for my heart to get off. It's really easy for me to get wrapped up in the motions of, okay, I show up here and I lift my hands now and I, I'm going to close my eyes real tight now and I'm going to do my job and show up on time. It's real easy for me to get caught up in the motions and for, for me to become successful instead of significant. And I have to make sure, man, I have to examine myself every single day. Man, I have to look at myself and say, okay, Stephen, is my heart right? Man, you got to figure out, is your heart right? Because here's the deal. If I become successful in my mind, in my job, man, I've lost it. My heart's off, and I cannot be a part of what God is doing. Man, if, if you become successful in your relationship, and you, that's what you are, man, you're not significant, and, and your heart's off, and you can't be a part of what God's doing. Hello? Are we there? And so I think about it, and I think about what success really means in, in a first-person standpoint, and, and all it is, is is selfishness. Man, I want to be this. I want to do that. Man, I want to be promoted. The Bible says promotion comes from the Lord. It's like if I see myself as a successful, you know, if, if my dad wasn't significant in my family's life and became a successful pastor, Man, he can't be a part of what God's doing. He misses it. His heart's off. Man, it's cool because if you're significant, man, it's like, man, I, I just, I look at my dad as a significant person in my life. Man, without my dad in my life, I don't know where I would be. Without Pastor Tom in the church, man, there's nowhere for me to serve. Man, he is significant to what God is doing. But if he got his heart off and he became successful in, in his everyday life and I'm a successful pastor, man, his heart's off. And therefore, he can't be a part of what God's doing. But because he's significant, because it's how others see him and that significant, he is successful. Man, I grew up never having to want, never worried if I was going to eat another meal. He was successful because... He was significant. Now think about the story, the story of Moses. And it's in Exodus chapter 4. And so in Exodus 4, Moses is hearing from God. And God shows, him, shows up and he's at the burning bush. And God is revealing himself to Moses. Man, I've called you to this. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what, here's what you're going to say to Pharaoh. Here's how you're going to say it. Well, what happens if this, God? Well, I'm going to send you Aaron. I'm going to show up there. Here, you have a trouble talking. Here's Aaron. He'll, he'll talk for you. Man, well, what if they do this? Well, throw your staff. Let, watch it turn into a snake. Pick it up. Man, God is revealing himself to Moses. And so in Exodus chapter 4, it talks about, okay, in 424, it says, Now it came about at the lodging place on the way. So that Moses, he hears from God, and now he's going to go to Egypt. He's traveling to Egypt on the way. And it says, on the way, the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. And I, I'm like, okay, that's, that's confusing. And then I, I kept reading, and it says, Then Zipporah, Moses' wife, took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin, and she threw it at Moses' feet and said to him, You are indeed a bridegroom of blood to me. And I'm like, what? Where, where is this coming from? I didn't, 
I mean, literally, I'm very confused. I, I out loud said, what? While I was reading this for the first time. And, and I think that, and then it says, so he let him alone. So God left Moses alone. And at that time, she said, you're a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Now, I was very confused, just as I'm sure you're confused right now. And Stephen, where are you going? I was asking God, what are you saying? I think you might have misplaced this just a tad. But there again, I need to look at it. And so I want us to look at the bigger picture of this. Don't get down to the minor details because it is scary. Uh, It's not something you want to dwell on. Uh, Just saying. So you you look at the bigger picture of this. Okay, so what Moses on his way, he's, he's following God. I mean, what it seems is he's, he's following Jesus, what it seems like. But God comes to kill him on the way. And I'm like, okay, well, what happened? Well, he hadn't circumcised his son. And that, in, in the Jewish law, is, tr- is, is the only way. Man, it's a big deal of being in blood covenant with God. On the eighth day, you circumcise your son. And so what Moses failed to do, where his heart got off, I believe was Moses was trying to be successful as I'm going to be a, a father of this nation. Man, I'm going to be successful in leading these people out of captivity to the promised land. Whoa, big deal, hot shot. But he failed to be significant in his family's life. Man, he failed to be a father to his kids. And, and what is that, man? That's just, that's Moses failing and his heart got off. Man, God, he, he cut himself off from God by not obeying God, and so God was coming to cut him off. Man, his heart wasn't focused, and, and I look at his kids, and I, and I think to myself, okay, his kids grew up with Moses. I mean, that Moses was, was their dad, and Moses was the one who listened to God and led this nation out of captivity. Moses was who God used to split the Red Sea. To cause, to cause water to come from a dry rock. Man, if I grew up and I would see that and I put myself in those kids' positions, man, I have great potential to be an amazing man of God. Man, I have potential to follow in my father's faith and therefore have God use me. But the thing that is crazy is I read throughout the rest of Exodus and I study it. Man, Moses' kids, he had two sons. They were only mentioned once or twice throughout the rest of the Bible. Man, they didn't see their potential. They didn't see the potential that they had to be and be used by God. And you think about when Moses' arms were, were being raised by Aaron and that other guy so that, so that the nation could win the battle. Why weren't his two sons the ones holding his arms up? Man, that's what I'm thinking. Look at the potential they had. Why weren't they being used by God to help a nation win a battle? What, where did it go wrong? And God's saying, man, it's, Moses' heart got off. Man, so that's why it's, it's so crazy. I think about, man, being the men and being, and being fathers and, and leaders of households. Man, it is up to you to make sure your heart is right. Man, Moses' kids, they became performers of tasks. Man, they didn't see their full potential. And it's why? Man, because Moses failed. Man, his heart was off. He was seeing success in his job that God had given him and not significance in his family's life. And what's crazy is, is his kids, man, they, man Zipporah, who, who doesn't have the same beliefs that Moses had, she had to become the spiritual leader in their house. 
she had to do what what would what, what the, the the hard and and crazy you know obedience part that Moses failed to do. Man, she had to do that, and so their kids, man, the two boys had to look for a father figure somewhere else. Man, what's crazy is when you're looking for something like that, and you're looking anywhere, man, it's easy to settle. Man, they're, they, the two sons, they settled. They didn't keep pursuing what God was doing. Man, and they couldn't be a part of what God was doing. Why? Because Moses' heart got off. 1 Samuel 16, 17 says, or 16, 7, not 17. We made that mistake once. 7 says, uh, looks aren't everything. Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. I've already eliminated him. God judges persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face. God looks into the heart. Man, I want to leave you with Hebrews 3, 12 through 13. And it says, Take care, brethren, that there may not be any one of you you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Man, keep watch. Man, encourage one another daily. Man, it's not just about you. You can't do this alone. Man, your heart's a big deal. It's a, it's a, it's a big, big part of what God, what God wants to do with you. And so you have to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people who are keeping you on track. It's called accountability. Man, I want to make sure that Keith's heart's right. So what am I going to do? I'm going to encourage him. Day after day, man, Keith, you've got to stay, stay steadfast, stay strong. When you've done all, stand. Man, keep your heart right. Why? Because I want Keith to be a part of what God is doing. Psalms 51.10 says, God, create in me a new heart. Man, that has to be your prayer. God, create in me a new heart. God, if my heart is far from you, God, give me a new heart and make it, new, and make it close to you. Matthew 5.8, it says that the blessed are those that are pure in heart, for they will see God. Man, that just ties it all together. Man, is your heart pure? Is it close to God? Is it in the right spot? Because you're going to see God. Otherwise, you can't be a part of what God is doing. Man, you want to be a part of what God is doing. You want to be significant to what God is doing. Man, others have to be able to look at you and say, Man, you're significant to my life. And it says, and I want to read the uh, Hebrews 3.14 out of the message. And it says, If we can only keep our grip on the sure thing that we started out with, we're in this with Christ for the long haul. Man, at the end of the day, focus on the one thing we started out with, Jesus. At the end of the day, God, you're in this with me for the long run. Man, you got my back in every situation. Man, I look before, I look ahead of me and I see you, and I look to the sides, you're there, and I look behind me, you're there. God, you got my back. Jesus, the one who gave up everything so that we could have life. So that we could have a chance to get our hearts right with God. Man, we have to make sure our hearts are right with God. God wants to do a new thing. God wants to use you. God wants you to be a part. He has a plan for you. A hope and a future. But your heart has to be right. Man, I want to challenge you today. Encourage one another. Man, if you're in this alone, your heart's wrong. Man, you have to surround yourself. And so I want to ask you guys today, man, is your heart right with God?
Is your heart in the right spot? Are you trying to be successful and motivate yourself and, and, and give yourself promotions in life? Or are you trying to be significant in other people's life? Man, it's a big deal. Why? Because at the end of the day, we want you in what God is doing here at the church. We want you to be a part and to be a significant part of what God's doing in your family, in your friends, in your work, in your finances. God, we thank you for who you are and what you're doing. God, we thank you that you're the author and the finisher of our faith, Father God. God, I thank you right now for everyone in this room, Father. God, that their hearts would be softened, Father, to hear you, to receive from you. God, I thank you for everyone in this room. God, if you're here today and, you, and your heart is far from God, you realize, man, my heart's not 